Welcome to the Mind Food Podcast, where we delve into the world of smart thinking content. I'm your host, Michael McHugh, the founder of Mind Food. At Mind Food, we believe in providing our listeners with the very best and latest in community, health, beauty and style, home and travel, food and drink, and much more. Join us as we explore fascinating topics, interview experts, and provide insights into living your very best life. This is the Mind Food Podcast. Welcome to the show, Anne Ryan, who is the curator of the Archibald Wynn and Solman Prizes for 2023 for the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Welcome to the show, Anne. Great to be here. Now, I have to, just for our listeners, tell us what does a curator of an enormous show like that actually do? Curators normally have a lot of time and a lot of leeway with exhibitions. We usually plan a long way ahead and we usually have a choice about what's in the show. But with the Archibald Wynn and Sulman Prizes, my job as curator is really to make sense of a whole group of finalists that have been picked for me by our judges to make them look really good on the wall. And once I've made them look good on the wall, that my second part of my job is to communicate those works to the public and to, to people like you. Now, the interesting thing, because you're not part of the judging panel, and as you said, you're not part of selecting the work, would this be one of the hardest curation jobs in terms of, okay, here's a whole lot of work, away you go, make it look great? It's hard and it's easy. The thing about it being concentrated into a really tight period of time makes it tricky because I have to make a lot of decisions on the go that normally I'd have time to ruminate about. But it's easy because I don't have that whole part of putting together a show which is about making choices I actually love curating it on the floor I'd much rather curate shows on the floor with the objects themselves and try and work them out on a screen or with plans or cut out bits of paper which is my very analog way of doing a a curated (laughs) exhibition because it's more adrenaline inducing it's more fun a lot of the stuff that you have to imagine when you're doing it virtually is taken out of the equation. I can see how big it is. I can see how well it relates to the things around it. And so in that way, it, it's easy as well. Do you often imagine someone from a spatial point of view walking through the floor and do you think, okay, well, that's too small, that doesn't work there or too perhaps not graphic enough compared to the work that I want to say? Like how does it actually work from that point of view? You've actually described it perfectly. I put myself in the shoes of a viewer in the space and I see the long distances, the close walls, the scale of the space. And for a work that's large, that's useful to me because I can use it over a long distance. I can use it to encourage people to walk through the space. So a really punchy, large graphic work is really good for that. For works that that are quieter. They're very helpful because they're like signposts that take you through the show. More intimate works, quieter works, little tiny works, they obviously don't want to get lost. And so I have to think about those in sort of spots where they're going to still garner attention from the viewers. They're not going to be drowned out by noisier things around them. So really, I am putting myself in the shoes of the visitor and try to give every single work its own little place in the sun so Mm. that nothing gets overlooked, nothing gets shouted down. You're making nice segues between works so that you're not having to a sense of jolt between work to work. There's a gentle suggested progression or relationship between things that are in proximity with each other. And of course, at the stage when I'm laying out the show, I actually don't 
know everything I would like to know about the pictures. Sometimes I don't know much about the artist or the subject, but I do know what it looks like. And so I start with that aesthetic response. And then as the exhibition progresses and as my fabulous colleagues who write the labels and research the works with our artists come up with more information, I educate myself even further. And sometimes I I find and that some of the assumptions I've made on the floor have been uh, right. Mine has worked. And there are really tangible relationships in terms of subject matter or, or th- that I might not have known about, but maybe I maybe I picked up. So that's the artists doing their job really well, I guess. And so you don't know who the winners are at that stage when you're actually hanging it and curating it? No. Because that comes quite at the last day, doesn't it? So the works are judged on a weekend. Um, the Sulmans is judged by a guest judge, and that's usually an individual. And we like to invite an artist. So this year that was the artist Nell. And the Archibald are judged by our board of trustees. So it's a group decision. And then on the Monday following that weekend, I start laying things out. Um, my first hope is that it all fits. <laughs> and my second hope is then I can make some sense of it. And so by the end of that week, I wish to have laid it all out in the most basic way. It's still on the floor. It's not lit beautifully. I don't have all the information, but by the end of that week, I want to have it resolved. And then two, three weeks is spent actually getting it onto the wall, getting plinths made for objects, getting labels written, getting graphics done, getting the lighting done. And it's during that period where things are starting to look a bit better and more how they should be seen. The trustees come back quietly on their own and have a proper look so that they can see everything again with that sense of everything being on a bit of a level playing field, being seen properly. Then on the Friday morning of the announcement, which is about a month or so after the judging, the board comes in at 7am, have a conversation about the work or that they want to award each prize to. So I don't know what's going to win. There's all sorts of theories with artists about oh, she knows something. She's put it in the winning room. And I hear that every that time. Ryan. And honestly, there there is no secret sauce. It's really what looks good and what feels good and what the judges have come up with that year because every year has a different sensibility or mood many times. So there isn't a winning wall. There isn't a winning room, even though I know most artists believe there is. <laughs> I have no influence. Once it's judged that early in the morning, nothing is then moved, like oh. the winning pain, nothing. Wow, okay. It's too late by then. Yeah. Um, do that uh, judging day and announcement, the announcement's at noon, so we have a very tight turnaround to write media releases and contact artists and all that business. We've had a few events already. We've had a couple of special previews for our artists, finalists. We also have previews for some of our key benefactors and supporters. So... Everything looks beautiful. If you move one thing, you've got to move other things. It's a domino effect. The stage that we are at when we make the announcement, it's set in stone. I'd like to see someone try and get me to move it. I think I'd have a heart attack. (laughs) You've really committed to it, I guess, by then too. And even in your own head, you've walked around that room many times, making sure the balance is right. You have been the curator for the shows for some years. Have there been some years that you've hung the whole show and then you know, winners have been announced and then you've walked through and thought, I wish I'd hung that a bit differently or I wish that one went there. Or Does that ever happen or not? Not really. This is the eighth time I've done it in nine years. When I was a baby curator, the Archibald didn't really have a curator. So the curator 
was the director. At the time, it was Edmund Capon, and he would sort of have a few ideas, but he'd pretty much leave it to our installation team, who are very good, but they weren't under a guidance of a curator. In more recent times, we've recognised the need to have somebody that not only lays it out and makes it look great, but also does what I'm doing with you now, which is communicate the show and owns the show, if you like. And over the years, over the past eight years, I've refined the way I do it. I've kind of figured out what seems to work. But I always kind of know when it's right. And it's only as right as it can be. It'll never be perfect because, again, you're working with artworks that are very diverse, that you haven't chosen yourself. I can make compromises when needed, but also I also want to get to a point where I'm feeling within myself and even it's almost a physical feeling that it's right. I wouldn't say I'd done my job until I've had that feeling. Definitely before anyone else outside the circles of the gallery staff have seen it. So I don't really have that sense of regret. Sometimes I have a sense of vindication because I have placed to work really well and it's one. But again, that's serendipitous. It's not something that, that I necessarily have much control over. It just happens to be that's, that's how it worked out. And the eight years, has there been some times where you have been quite surprised at the winner? You know, perhaps you've hung a show and you thought, oh, I reckon this might, you know, I don't know if you do think that, but like it's, it's the moments where you think, wow, I'm surprised that won it or I thought it might have been that one. Yeah, absolutely. And some years it's been very, very clear to me from the outset that I think I know what they're going to go for and I've been right, but not all the time. And this year was a, an occasion when I couldn't pick what they would go for and I was surprised with the one that they went with not unpleasantly surprised just surprised you know I have people my colleagues internally who have to prepare materials such as you know a media release and they like to plan ahead and they sort of say well who's, who do you think's likely because they'll try and prepare and sometimes mm. I can confidently say look it's going to be between this this and this but this year I was way off <laughs> Um, <laughs> it seemed everyone says that about this year, that it was so wide in terms of potentially who could have won it. Yes. And it's, as I said, some years it's very, very clear that they're probably going to go in a certain direction and, and others that, that aren't. And that's really just down to the, the mix of any, any year. And it waxes and wanes sometimes easy and sometimes it's hard. This year it was hard. It was an interesting year in that there were more women entries, women artists than men, which is exciting, I think, for a show like this. When you're hanging work or as you're getting close, do, does that come into it at all or not really? You're not interested in terms of who's done the work? No, not really. Who has done the work is often useful because it can occasionally help me understand what they're trying to do because I know their mm. practice. But often I don't. This year, 40% of the Archibald finalists were complete first-timers in terms of being finalist. And I don't know them all necessarily. Generally speaking, the Archibald just happens to project naturally what's really happening out there in the real world. There are lots of women painting. There are mm. lots of women who are painting portraits. And so they're submitting and they're being chosen. There's no one during the judging process standing there um, clipboard and boxes to tick about Indigenous inclusion, all sorts of diversity things, things that we think are important and we're trying to do with our broader collecting and curatorial programs. But with the Archibald, it's just reflecting what's going on out there. So it's been a, it's been a positive development and it's something we welcome, but it's not been something we've, we've been able to or tried to control particularly. 
it always seems that even some of the releases I've read, it's always a controversial sort of choice. I don't think some years it is controversial because I think I think they did get it right. No. That is actually the best painting. This year, yeah, it's very different. The medium is very different that the artist has used. You can understand that to be, oh, wow, you know, what's that? You know, but I think it, it brings discussion and surely that's a good thing. If anyone's talking about art and wanting to go, that's a great thing. Do you think... In some ways, the judges this year thought, let's choose something a bit different because there isn't really a clear standout. Let's go with something a bit out there. People use the word controversial, but I think it is shorthand for something to talk about. I mean, controversial <laughs> is the times when the trustees have been taken to court. That's controversy. <laughs> um, the Archibald, above any other exhibition in the country, invites people to comment and to have an opinion, and that's a good thing. With this year's choice, I don't think, I suppose the way I would best describe the way the board thinks, and I, you know, I'm not in their head, I don't know, but I think of the Archibald Prize as not just being a prize about painting or about necessarily what is a good portrait, but it's, it, it is that, it is both of those things, but it's also about a 12-month period in our culture because the painting has to have been completed within the last 12 months. And it's about the stories that artists are finding interesting. So the stories of these people is, is equally important to their face. And a good portrait is going to be able to communicate not only what someone looks like but also something else about them. And that's what makes an interesting portrait. And I think that the the board take all that into account when they're looking at works that they I think are contenders. They're also aware, many of them having done this in previous years, of of what's been picked, what's been hung. And so they would be working within that context as well, um, a decision in subsequent years. But we always have a refresh too because our board Members aren't there for decades like they used to be in the bad old days mm. of the 20s and 30s where we had trustees for 30, 40 years. So we always get new people on the board and they bring their own perspectives. They're also not necessarily experts in the sense that a curator is. They're certainly art lovers. They're certainly super engaged with visual art and what we do here at the gallery. But they're not necessarily curatorial professionals. We've got a couple of artists, which is key for us. But we also have people whose expertise is in in finance and all that sort of thing. They may or may not collect themselves, so they've certainly got an eye for art. But they're bringing, in a way, the eye of the man or woman on the street as well. So they're thinking about art, but they're also thinking about that story that the show tells. So I think that's probably the best way of describing how the sausage is made, in a way. It's interesting, and I'll take you back when you said 40% of the finalists from the Archibald were first time. And win this year, the win competition, it was 50%, and the Solman, 60%, which they are pretty extraordinary numbers. But it's also exciting to think that you can be a young emerging artist and you can get a gig or you can potentially get something up. I've never thought the competition like that. It always seemed to be same old names, and I could be completely wrong. But this year particularly, you'd have to say, wow, that's a big clean sweep for a whole lot of new talent coming in and having their work shown in the gallery. It's misconception, I think, that people have with prizes. I think we remember people we've seen before. So they'll get in because they're good. You know, someone might be in the Archie many times, but it's because they're good. And we remember that person. Think, oh, here, here she is again, or here he is again. But the statistics don't lie. And every year, 
there is a very good number of debutants. And in particular with the Sulman, I think there's real opportunities for younger painters to have their work shown. The Sulman Prize, which is for subject and genre painting, so paintings that aren't landscapes or portraits, basically, paintings that tell a story, is more reflective of what painters are actually doing. And so if you're an artist who is interested in a particular kind of work that might not fit into portraiture or landscape, it's the ideal show, but it's also probably the thing you're working hardest at. So it's going to be interesting when you're a younger or a more emerging artist. Statistics don't lie. Every year we get new people, and that's really important for us, not only to keep everything fresh and interesting and different, but it also means that there's a whole tranche of people who are seeing these prizes as something in which they wish to be involved which is good for us and very good for our audiences. So, again, it's like the women issue. There's a whole lot of stuff happening out there and it's really nice to be able to reflect that in, a, in quite a clear way in the Art Gallery of New South Wales. It's a different kind of exhibition to many of the others that we do. It's super inclusive. It's super current. Anyone can enter these prizes. You don't have to have a, a CV as long as your arm. We've had works hung in the show by very young artists, including kids at school. A few years ago, we had a work by some primary school kids from a from a local primary school who had made a work, a portrait of their headmaster. One of the youngest artists this year, I think, is a young woman who's about 19 years of age. So you don't have to have years of exhibiting under your belt. And that's something that's a bit harder to do when you want to get your work on the walls of a big state gallery. When the shows travel to regional galleries, and I understand that's going to happen a lot more now, do they hang it in exactly the same way that you've curated it or do they have another crack at it and it's different again? Well, they're in a different kind of space and so they've, they're dealing with a different layout, all that kind of thing. So they really have to kind of rethink it in a way. And we collaborate very closely with our regional colleagues on the tour, but we're not didactic about how the work has to be hung because of those constraints. And they know their space better than anybody. Obviously, we'll show them the images of our layout and say, look, this is this is what we did and these are the connections that, that our curator made, but you're very free to, to dip in or out of that as much as you wish. And I find that that often happens. So... If they have a particularly good wall that hits you as you come in and they might want to put the winner on that, that might be where they start and, and do their own thing, which is a fancy pants way of saying you can do it any many different ways depending on, on the space. And it does tour all around New South Wales and to one interstate venue every year. And we're just starting to tour the wind this year for the first time, which is very exciting. Again, we're going to be, you know, providing examples and offering encouragement but really in the end it's up to the to the local gallery curators and directors to to make of it something for their community and their space one of the i thought was quite exciting and it was another record year was the young archie entries 3400 that is a lot of work you know archie board was 99 win 726 the Solomon 673, three, almost three and a half thousand entries from kids. That's extraordinary, isn't it? It's a thousand more than we had last year. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Look, the word's getting out to the classrooms of Australia. I think. Yeah. This is often a, a, a program that's taken up by our touring venues with the Archibald. They'll encourage their own communities, children, to make portraits for their hang. The young Archie is like our other prizes. It's judged in the flesh. But the advantage of the young Archie is they're dealing with a sheet of A3 paper rather than yeah. a large canvas. So it can you can whack it in an envelope and, and mail it from anywhere in the country to Sydney. 
it's a big job for my colleagues and the judge who who judge it. Certainly a big job. And we only have room to hang about 70 of the young Archie portraits. Wow. But I just adore the young Archie because it's just so wonderful the way they draw people. It doesn't have to be someone famous. It's just someone that's special to them. And I think that's rather gorgeous. Yeah. Is that judge now? So are there winners? And I'm not quite sure how that works. It's judged slightly beforehand here in the gallery. And then what we do is um, frame them ourselves. So we have our own frames and that takes a bit of time. So that happens before the judging of the of the major adult prizes, but they're ready to go and we hang them in the same period that we're hanging the Archibald Wynn and Solomon. So there's a lot of work there to come and visit and see. Heaps. How long's the show on for? Well, the show is on for quite a few months. It finishes on the 3rd of September. Great. And thank you so much. It's been great having you on the show. I ask everyone this at the end of their interview. What has been your favourite meal in your life? Oh, my word. <laughs> Often that's the response I get. <laughs> I'll tell you about a memorable meal. It was the first time I ever went to Italy. I was in my early 20s and I had a very simple meal of pasta with fresh porcini mushrooms. I'm not in my early 20s anymore, but I can very, very clearly remember that meal. <laughs> have you gone back and had it again? I have not, but there's always a chance that I will try because it was it was my special Madeleine moment. <laughs> Hold on to the dream. <laughs> and thanks so much. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. We hope you found this episode informative and entertaining. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and review. Check out MindFood Magazine, Facebook, Pinterest and Instagram for even more smart thinking content. I'm Michael McHugh, the founder of MindFood. Thanks for listening to the MindFood Podcast.